You're very welcome along. It is the gardening program here on Midwest Radio on this Saturday morning. Porik. Good morning. Uh, good morning to you. Now we are surrounded by a riot of colour. We'll talk about that in a moment. But you are full of the joys of spring because the day is rather pleasant. It's today. absolutely fantastic. But other good news, I actually found out today that I'm going to live forever. Good on you. <laughs> uh, share, please, please share the secret. How does well, that all work? Um, I see in the, the independent.ie of a report today from the British Journal of Sports Medicine. Okay. And they tell us that people that garden more than 10 minutes per week. Per week only, per right? Week. I was going to say I'm in trouble, but no, maybe. A 20% uh, longevity. Uh, so you're so. You will live longer by 20%, they tell me, if you got 10 minutes. Okay, oh, I think you so must I'm going to so live you, forever, yeah. so that's, that's the, the bit of good news today. You have a but lot of 10 minutes uh, all gathered aside, up at this stage. Yeah, so the we- the weekend is promised lovely. The weather is absolutely ideal and it's going to be, as you said, right up till Thursday, right into next week. High pressure, frost at night time, so do keep an eye on that with young seedlings. But it's going to be uh, quite a pleasant week and great drying as well and we do need that. Do. So I thought we'd just cover a couple of key mm-hmm. things that people can do if they're out and about this weekend. Obviously the lawns are going to need a little bit of care. They're probably still a bit wet to mow, but if your lawn, if you can get out there and trim it, it's not too squelchy, get out there and give it a trim and uh, take the first clippings off it and put it on the compost heap and then put on your zero, put on your Osmo, give it a bit of a feed and green it up and get, and get it going. It's time to plant our garlics and onions and schlots. They can go all out of doors now. They're all frost hardy and even simple things like cabbage and lettuce. If you've got a bit of ground ready, they could certainly go in. The pruning back of hydrangeas should happen now. Uh, so, you know, the, there'll be no problem, even though we have a little bit of frost during the week, that still won't affect them. So you can safely prune them back now. Your roses need to be pruned back as well. And of course, a bit of feeding. When we prune plants back, we feed them at the same time. Hedges should be trimmed this weekend or over the next couple of days, if you can get to it. The planting up of dahlias and begonias, that should ha- happen indoors, but this is the time of year to start potting them up. But other plants like lilies and gladioli and nearine bulbs that will flower during the summer can be planted directly out of doors so they're perfectly safe to actually dig the soil now and put them in and they'll be perfectly happy and they'll, they're available in your local garden centre and the planting up of, of salad crops things like um, the veggie pod if you have one mm-hmm. great time of year to actually plant it up with the children with some of the salad crops um, things like strawberries can be planted now so we're very much into that time of year the sowing of seed of course um, we've seen a lot of interest in both potatoes and the sowing of vegetable seeds. So that should continue now over the next kind of six or eight weeks. And uh, as I, I always recommend planting a little bit of plants, vegetable plants and seed together, but the, certainly the temperatures at the moment would be fine for that. So they're the type of things I would be doing. It's kind of getting back out into the garden. It's been a tough three weeks with rain and and wind and so on and people have kind of put a couple of things on the long finger. So really the kind of lawns in particular need a little bit of a focus. The pruning back of summer flowering plants in particular and then the sowing and setting of plants like onions and garlic mm. and rhubarb and all of those great plants can be planted at this time of year. Okay, fantastic. So I also brought you in... Um, a, yeah, a, so I, so I, so when, I'm, when I say there's a riot of colour, I'm not exaggerating by any uh, measure or means. It is lots of beautiful pinks and whites and reds. reds yeah. And of course, we are just one week away and a day from Mother's Day. Yeah, so so Sunday week, the 31st of March, is Mother's Day. And it's always a time of year to celebrate our mothers. And what, what better way than when plants, and two of the plants that come to my mind when I think of, of my own mother, and hmm. particularly my, my uh, grandmother, are roses. 
So scented roses and sweet pea. And there's lovely sweet pea that you can plant at this time of year, the everlasting sweet pea that comes back year after year. Yes. So that can be planted. There's a lovely variety called um, pink pearl, which can be planted this time of year and gives uh, f- lovely colour year after year. So that's that can be planted this time of year. But roses are great as well, albeit they will flower later on the summer. I brought in some plants, Deirdre, that are actually giving a bit of colour at the moment. Yeah, because and I suppose while things are starting to come into flower a small bit, these, what we have in front of us, is just really good and vibrant and, and well opened up at this stage. Yeah, and this spring, you know, we were chatting a couple of weeks back about how the spring is going to be very colourful. Mm-hmm. You can see it with the cherries already. But camellias in particular are outstanding this year. And um, they're really giving fantastic colour. This is a variety, a lovely pink variety called Spring Festival. And, you know, it really oh, is a variety that name. celebrates the spring. So beautiful pink flowers, very similar to a rose flower. They're double, semi-double. And um, you can see just the centres there. But there's literally, for such a small plant, there's about 15 or 20 blooms on mm. that particular one. And that can go directly out of doors um, in a pot or container uh, or directly into the garden soil if you want. But the lovely thing about camellias is they flower at Mother's Day every year which is really nice, I think. And they come in a whole range of different colours. There's some fabulous whites and reds and different shades of pink and some bike colours as well. But the pink is particularly, I Isn't think, appro- appropriate for Mother's Day. And I love the name of it. Spring, Spring Festival. Festival. Fabulous. That one? And yes. so it's a really nice one and it's full of colour and plenty of buds. And that's the beauty of camellias. They don't flower all at once. You tend to get colour for quite a number of, of months from them. I mean, some of the varieties are flowering since February okay. and continue to the middle of May. And if we're planting that out now, for example, is there anything in particular we have to be mindful of? They, they, they do like a, 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 an ericaceous soil, so a lime-free soil. So that's why they do very well in tubs and containers. So my advice really is to plant into a large tub, use the ericaceous compost, um, grow it for a couple of years in the tub and then maybe transplant it out into the garden because they give so much stunning colour in early spring. It's lovely to have them close to the house, yep. you know, just outside the patio or on a patio or kind of a sheltered area of the garden. For indoor then, you've got the lovely orchids. So this is the Phalaenopsis yes. orchid, this white orchid. And that's quite a stunner Isn't now, that beauty? one, I have to say, yes. So they, they, again, they're just coming into flower at the moment. It's an indoor plant, so again, it gives lovely colour. And again, orchids tend to flower for quite a long period, so you'll see some of the flowers are open, lots of buds to come. <laughs> and again, they flower at this time of year, every year. This is one of my favourites. This is the Painter's Palette. Okay, though, this was the one I wasn't familiar with at all. Yeah, so it's it's um, it's an unusual plant in that the... the so to, to describe it to the listeners, mm. the leaves are, are, are rich green, quite large green leaves, but the flowers are made up of these <coughs> modified leaves. They're a bright red in colour, so you get this lovely contrast of the red against the green. They call it the painter's palette because the flower or the... the it's it's like, actually yeah, it it's a modified like leaf, to be honest. The shape is like a palette. Yeah. So these are tropical plants and the, 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 the reason that the leaves, the modified leaf is red is to attract insects. Now, it won't do that in your home, but that's... It, it has modified its leaf to give that lovely red colour and that tends to stay on the plant for at least a month. So the plant itself stays in flower for about six months of the year. There's probably very few months that actually doesn't have a flower on it, to be quite <coughs> honest. So that's a plant. It's called Anthurium, or Painter's Palette. It's got this lovely red coloration. That's the actual flower here right in the centre. Okay, it doesn't look like a typical flower. It looks like the, 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 the stamen or it whatever. It is, yeah. The pollen, the pollen and stamen will be carried here when it comes into flower. But the leaf then, this lovely red leaf, a bit like uh, poinsettias, where the leaf becomes modified and it, it takes on that lovely red colour. The Anthurium, or Painter's Palette, takes on this lovely colour 
similar as well. But it's it just it's a, such an easy plant. If you want something really really easy to mind indoors, then the painter's palette is one of those. I mean, you water it once a month, you repot it every two or three years, and it just gi- it's a plant that just keeps giving. Okay, really, so easy peasy. It's a really easy one, and it does flower for literally six to maybe eight, maybe nine months of the year. It's quite a good one. If you want something with scent, yes. Then I brought in a lovely. Uh, yeah, it's one of the lily family. It's a scented lily. Um, it's a variety called Souvenir and um, it's just come into flower now. I was talking about lilies at the beginning of the programme about planting the bulbs and this is what this this plant was literally planted from, from a bulb in the autumn. Mm-hmm. It has come into flower now so it'll give you that early colour. So you can keep it indoors whilst it's in flower and enjoy the scent indoors for Mother's Day and then later on in the summer plant it out of doors and it will come into flower then every year or every summer out of doors. So it's a really nice plant and um, Lily's lovely scent. I also brought you in what the, we've got more on the ground. I've one here, the mother-in-law's the mother-in-law's tongue, tongue. cheek and t- in in or tongue and cheek, I yes. suppose. <laughs> but if you wanted a bit of fun with maybe your mother-in-law, that's called the mother-in-law's tongue. To describe it to listeners, the leaves are strap-like, like a sword or like a strap. They're variegated in colour. It's a really, really easy plant to grow. Probably the easiest of all plants to grow is the mother-in-law's tongue. Super easy plant. It grows about, I suppose, two feet high, yeah. about a foot wide. You keep it in the same pot for five years and you water it once a month. I mean, how easy is that? That's really simple plant to grow, um, but unusual and something a little bit different. And I've also brought you in, we were chatting about the lemon-scented geranium yep. last week. Now, um, it, this plant hasn't come into flower just yet, but the lemon scent is on the foliage at the moment, and the, it's absolutely lovely. Um, a really easy plant to grow. And again, it's great for, it's edible, both the flowers and the foliage are edible, um, can be used in salads and so on. But in particular, it gives us lovely scent to the home. So I just, yeah, I have it on, you my, have ki- it, of course, I have it yeah. on my kitchen window. So actually, my trimmed mine back during the week because it had kind of taken over its space a yeah. small bit because um, they are fairly vigorous growers. Well, they are, like any geranium, they grow quite fast. Mm. And to keep them young, if you prune them back every spring if you trim them back at this time of year or, or as you've done a month ago and it'll just produce a whole new yeah, rain and you get a fatter fuller plant yeah. a lot more no, flower I, I this year I give it a good haircut as they say but it's a really easy plant and it's very easy to propagate from cutting <coughs> so listeners that do have it in their home you can take little pieces from it and it propagates very easily mm. but it's it's very distinct and a very sweet flavour it's also a great plant to diffuse in water if you put it into a little bit of hot water it'll make a kind of mist or a scented mist for you oh, right. and of course it helps to keep the old flies and bugs away as well indeed uh, which is very handy so that's the lemon scented geranium make sure you, you look for the one called orange fizz. There are other scented geraniums but this particular one has that really really citrus lemon scent. I don't know why they don't call it lemon fizz. It but is, it's mo- a, yeah, it is more lemony than, it than is. Yes. It's a really citrus lemony scent so a really nice plant yeah. and something different. So you'll get that in your local garden centre this time of year. Okay, so so they're just a few of the plants. I mean, boiled, I could have brought I, mean, a whole I know, load I know there's more. lots more besides, yeah, but, but yes, so a couple of great ideas there. If for you people. want a bit of colour, yeah, and remember, Mother's Day is Sunday week. Sunday week. Sunday week. So the 31st tomorrow, of March. tomorrow week. Tomorrow week. Yes. So be organised. Don't organized. be leaving it to the last minute. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that it, Borag? That's the message. Okay. That is the message. We, I think we've lots of questions in. Okay. Um, and more than the plants, Borag spoiled for choice with questions we as are. well. I'm going to just look at this photograph first of all because um, somebody has sent us in lilies out already today being the 20 or yesterday uh, 22nd of March uh, they're in flower sent you a picture of my poor my lilies Porek um, calla lilies they're yeah. out already it's very early will they still flower in June do you think or will that be it when they flower now no, uh, Martina conti- is near Ballinrobe okay isn't it? and it just shows and how that mild. is stunning isn't I mean, it that's, unbelievable that's kind of almost like 
May. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Normally, growth, isn't it? yeah. Normally, the flower May, early May, right through till kind of July, even into August. Um, but and you'll often find with with calla lilies, they may not disappear completely in the winter if we get a mild winter, which we have. We've had had a, a very mild winter. When we get the snow and the heavy frost, mm. they literally disappear underground, and it takes them longer to grow. So um, they're very early in this particular garden. The fact that they're in flower, they will still stay in, stay in flower right up to July. So calla lilies have the ability to repeat flowering right through the summer period. So okay. don't worry about that. Um, so they'll be perfectly fine. If we do get a bit of heavy frost, you might get some foliage damage on the calla lily. So, you know, fingers crossed, but the frost won't be too severe. It shouldn't be really from now on. But um, yeah, it's great to see them flowering too early. But, but plants are, I mean, the cherries are out a couple of weeks early. Uh, most plants are several weeks early this year. And I think it's a whitethorn that we can see at the moment coming on. Wh- it's, but yeah, yeah, just be, yeah it's just, coming into leaf coming now in, at the moment. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, and um, lots of the cherries are, are in flower. Magnolias come into flower very early this year. So yeah, we're just seeing the, the global warming effects. Is, is, that, that, is it? that it? It must be. It must be. <laughs> or just one of those years. It's just one of those years, yeah. I think, yeah. Okay, uh, we were talking about the camellia. Somebody has a camellia. It has flowered and they're wondering, should they take off the withered blooms? They're white, gone a bit rusty looking now. Yeah, if if, if, as I said earlier, camellias tend to flower over several months, particularly as they mature and they get older. Um, and naturally, those that flower in February, the flowers, those particular flowers start to fade and you should take those off on a regular basis. So you deadhead the flowers every two or three weeks. Just go around the plant and just take off. But there should still be buds, little fat buds. As you can see on this one, there's still plenty mm. of buds to come out. And the camellias tend to flower like that over a two, three or four month period, particularly as they get older. So continue to deadhead them take off any flowers that may have faded or if we get harsh weather or frosty weather those flowers can get a bit, little bit spoiled but the new flowers then are perfectly fine okay. so once the plant goes out of flower which is normally the end of April early May you start to liquid feed you start to build it up for the following year with one of the ericaceous feeds and then that's all it requires and keep them really well watered during the summer they are a woodland okay. plants so like plenty of moisture now somebody has cat mint growing in, growing in a container but you won't be surprised to hear they say cats regularly damage it yeah. I've put a cat repellent gel on it sometimes but it only works for a few days is there anything else we can do well cat mint you see <laughs> it gets its name is, it, is cat mint uh, meant to deter cats or no, no, attract no, no, them no, attract it them. attracts them attracts cats cats absolutely right. love cat mint it's one of those plants that they roll around in they love to have the scent on their so it has a, it actually has a very nice scent, uh, cat mint. It, it smells of mint. So yeah. it's a plant called Nepita. Beautiful blue flowers. It's actually a really nice garden plant, a bit like lavender when it comes into flower. But cats absolutely love it and they'll roll around in it and, the, and naturally enough they'll damage it and break it a little mm. bit. But it won't set the plant back because it's one of those really robust plants that if a small piece breaks, the Nepita or the cat mint just reshoots again and comes back again. So look at it. I mean, you're you're fighting a losing cause trying to keep your cats away from your cat mint. It is a plant that, they, that they're attracted to. Okay. So, so I would maybe plant it somewhere else in the garden but take it that the cats will roll around in it but it's not going to do any long term damage to the plant let them enjoy it and cut it back every now and again it'll regrow again it's one of those really easy plants it's a great ground covering plant if you have slopes and banks or areas like that Nepeta is one, just one of those plants that spreads out really well flowers for nearly four months of the year five oh. months of the year with these blue flowers the foliage is scented kids will love it and the cats will love it as well and is it from the mint family? It's no it's not related to um, the, the edible mint yeah, 
like I'm just thinking because mint, as far as I recall, can be um, quite vociferous in the way that oh, it grows and it can, it can kind of take over. Yeah, and yeah. no, and the pita doesn't do that. It, okay. it literally grows like any shrub. Now, having said that, it, it makes a lovely full uh, mound of foliage about a metre wide, but it's not. you're not going to see it uh, shooting off and causing problems and appearing in the lawn type of thing. It, it makes a really good ground covering plant, but it's not invasive. That's the word I'm invasive, looking for. Yeah. Um, so, but your cats will love it. And and uh, if you don't you want your cats ro- rolling around in it, then you just have to either get rid of the cats or get rid of them. <laughs> get okay. mint. Just, just yeah. let, let them happy. It's keeping them happy. Yeah, and the little bit of damage they're causing to it doesn't send mm. the plant back. It'll shoot again. If anything, I would actually cut that nepeta back hard every couple of years because it tends to rejuvenate it and gets it going Gives again. It okay. Yeah, yeah. It's Love. an easy plant. Now, um, as you mentioned at the start, and, you know, I suppose really we do have to look at the lawns if they're yeah, not in yeah. action at this stage. Yeah. Um, somebody used zero about two weeks ago. They're putting Osmo on this weekend. Good. Now they say their poor garden looks more black than green. How long does this last? Well, obviously the moss, the, the zero is good. So the way it works is zero is a liquid. You put it on. As you know, it works overnight and it discolours the moss, not the lawn. So it won't kill the, the grass or damage the grass, but it will discolour the moss and that's a sign that it's dying. The good news is you don't have to rake it out. You simply put the Osmo on and within, it's going to take kind of a week to 10 days for the new grass to, to green up and, mm. and fill out. And regular mowing now will, will get it back into good condition. But the listener did exa- exactly the right thing. Getting rid of the moss is the key thing. So putting on the Zero, put on the Osmo. You can actually put them on the same day if you wish or you can leave a day or two between them. It doesn't really matter. A day like today now would be ideal, ideal. to get that job done. Excellent. Now, a question in relation to strawberries. Marie, <coughs> uh, she's Strawberries for approximately three years. Great. Would like to transfer them to a different place. Can you please advise when is the best time to do this and would you recommend a fertiliser or feed when I move them? Okay. Well, the first thing to remember, Marie, is that strawberries aren't long-term um, plants. So you, if you get three to five years from a strawberry plant, they tend to be less productive after that. So it's a good idea to change the plants every three to five years anyway. Having said that, if you want to move them now, now is a good time to actually lift them. A day like today would be ideal. Simply get a fork in under the strawberry plant, cut back the foliage, any of the old foliage that has overwintered and transplant them today or tomorrow if you can. So they can still be transplanted at this time of year. Do bear in mind they're three years old. You're probably going to get another maybe one to two years out of them and it would be a good idea then to start replacing and those strawberry plants but uh, and this is a great time for planting them so they'll transplant at this time of year no problem at all do give them a, a, sh- a light trimming back replant them space them about 18 inches apart put a little bit of uh, fertilizer down with them something like the super grow granulated fertilizer rake that into the soil that's all they'll require and then let them off Fantastic. Now, Marie also is wondering, um, she's got parsley and rhubarb, also wondering when to move or when well, is the best time to well, do Well, rhubarb that. is in full growth at the moment and, and actually it's nearly ready for harvesting in many gardens at the moment, particularly the early variety like Timberley Early. So leave it alone until October, November and then you can safely dig it up, transplant it and split it into other pieces and propagate it and transplant it. So leave that job till the autumn. Parsley, again, a bit like the, the uh, parsley is a biennial, which means it lasts for two years and tends to go to seed after that. So my advice really with the parsley is maybe don't bother transplanting it. Get yourself some young plants. You'll buy them. They're very cheap to buy. They're very easy to sow from seed as well if you want to have a go at sowing them from seed. And you tend to keep parsley for two to three years and after that it runs to seed. 
you'll see it just growing very tall and, and leggy. So it's one of those plants that needs to be replaced every couple of years just to keep it young and vibrant. So my advice really with the parsley is get your, pop into your local garden centre, get a couple of plants. The Italian plant parsley, which is the plain leaf parsley, black, yes. yeah, it tends to have a better flavour, but you can get the mossed one, mossed leafed one as well, which is more crinkly um, and maybe plant some of each just for Variety. Just for a bit of variety, exactly, exactly. And a great time for planting herbs in general. This is the time of year. If you're thinking about Easter lamb, for example, plant your rosemary now and your sage. And, and will your rosemary your th- be up in time for Easter? Of course Easter? it will. You'll buy a plant that's, that's yeah. actually ready for yeah. picking already, to be honest, in your in your local garden centre. And rosemary makes a lovely shrub. So you, you don't necessarily need to have it in your veg garden. You can plant it as a shrub in the garden. Same with bay, same with sage, same with lavender, thyme. They make actually quite attractive of garden shrubs, yes. never mind. So you don't you don't necessarily have to have them in, in rows and in a herb garden type of thing. You can actually have them strategically placed around the garden because in their own right they make lovely plants. And kind of mix and match them in exactly, with other Exactly, with other, exactly, yeah. And um, But if you plant them now, you'll have great pick- pickings then for Easter, which okay. is kind of the towards the end of April 21st. this year. There you go. There you go. Easter you go. Sunday, so as far six, as six I recall. Weeks away. Yeah, yeah, so there's plenty of time. Now, um, Porik, mentioned the cotton grow vegetables, please. I look for these in my uh, garden centre. Um, so just wondering, what uh, are they special types of plants or seeds or how do they work? Um, and you'd like to plant them for for eating in window boxes plant oh, yeah. them in window boxes so I guess that they can cut so the, yeah 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 so so look at this there's um, <clears throat> there's no vegetable called cutting calm it's the, it's more the method the way we we, we we grow them and harvest them so there's a wide range I think last week I was talking about the speedy veg mm, I think maybe that might be part yeah of and that, what that's a, a collection of, of vegetables um, available from the, in the Sutton's family Sutton seeds family so you buy them a seed you sow them now they'd actually work brilliantly in a window box so what I would do is get a window box, fill it with good quality compost, sow the the, um, the speedy veg, and it comes in a whole range of different varieties. There's a lovely spicy mixed one, and there's there's one an Italian mix, a continental mix. There's a whole range of le- uh, leaf lettuce varieties as well, and all of those suit the, suit the process of a cutting and coming, which means you just as soon as they germinate, when they're about four or five inches high, you start to trim the foliage, and the plant just regrows again. So get yourself a little bit of a window box, sow the speedy veg, cover them with a bit of cling film, mm. wait for them to germinate three to four weeks from now take the cover off and start cutting and you can continue to cut the whole summer long so they're, they're very very suitable for window boxes containers and remember you can grow other veg in window boxes like strawberries well, they're a fruit but um, so strawberries can be grown or onions um, you know lettuce all of those sort of plants or lamb's lettuce all of that sort of thing can be grown in containers potatoes in large tubs yep. you know few different things like that. Now, a um, couple of polytunnel related questions. We'll try to combine these a small bit. Somebody's wondering about cabbage plants that are suitable for growing in a tunnel and yeah. also can we plant potatoes in the tunnel we as can. well? And we have another listener who'd like some information, please, on growing in a polytunnel in general and care of fruit bushes at this time of the year. Okay, well, let's deal with the fruit. Mm, so fruit okay. in general, look, at, the, at this time of year, most of the fruit, has, fruit is beginning to green up and, and shoot. If you haven't pruned, you, it's still not too late, but you'd really want to do it this weekend. Um, so if you need to trim back your apples or uh, blackcurrants or whatever, that can be done. Mm-hmm. Feeding of, of fruiting plants is most important. So again, putting on something like the SuperGrow fertilizer around the base of all fruiting plants will help to, to boost them on. Many of them will be coming to flower in the next couple of weeks, but it's also a great time of year for planting fruiting plants. So raspberries, blueberries, 
uh, loganberries, tayberries, all of those can be planted at this time of year. And indeed, with some of them, you'll get fruit this coming summer. Um, so particularly things like strawberries will, will fruit in their first year. And often with blueberries and raspberries, you'll get fruit in the first year. So a really good time of year for planting fruit. In relation to the, the polytunnel, first of all, the cabbage I would recommend is a variety called hispe, which is a small, very neat cabbage. It only grows, um, it's perfect in tunnels where you want to kind of plant them very close together. And it makes small heads ideal for two or three people. Um, so little cone shape heads that are ready within about five or six weeks okay. in your tunnel. Mm-hmm. So if you plant the plants now, you'll have them certainly for Easter. So that's one called Hispe. Um, the potato varieties, I would again use a variety called Foremost, which is quite short in, in height, so it's very neat in a tunnel, and it's a first early, uh, lovely variety. Or Sharps Express would work really well in the tunnel, or Colleen, the Irish variety. So potatoes are uh, very, very suitable, particularly the early varieties. And then you've got all the other vegetables. So you can grow carrots, you can grow lettuce, you can grow the speedy veg that I mentioned, mm-hmm. you can grow strawberries. So th- I suppose the tunnel, what does the tunnel give you? It gives you about a month or six weeks um, additional growth or early growth. <coughs> so by putting the plants in now, it just keeps the heavy rain and heavy frost off the plants and you get them at least a month to six weeks earlier. And a bit more warmth, I suppose. A bit more and, and nicer conditions, I suppose, to, 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 mm. to garden oh, in. Yes. And those people with a tunnel should really plant the same plants out of doors. So you have plants coming at different times. So if you're planting cabbage inside in the tunnel, plants maybe a dozen plants outside as well and you'll have them a month later. Um, the tunnel at this time of year is also brilliant for raising plants from seed. So if you want to sow bedding plants or perennial plants from seed or salad plants, yeah. it's a great way of, have, you know, per- it, it creates the perfect environment for sowing seeds. Um, so it's, it's perfect for all of those reasons. Now, somebody uh, says, since pear flowers are so unattractive to bees, would it be beneficial to hand pollinate them like you would a nectarine? Are pear flowers unattractive to yes, bees? Yes, they are. Oh, okay. I'd say that listener was at one of my talks. It's, okay. it's something when I'm talking about bees in particular. Pears flower so early in the year. So they're, they're, um, they flower kind of, well, this year they're, they're going to, they're in flower nearly already. Um, they're certainly a lot earlier. But first of all, they're, they're not, they're, they don't, they're not rich in nectar. So they don't particularly, they're not that particularly attracted to bees, particularly if there are other flowers, like the cherries are in full flower at the moment. So they will attract the bees first That's and foremost. Right. Um, so pears, yes, a great idea. They need uh, to be cross-pollinated. So if you've got another variety that you could cross-pollinate the, um, the pear with, that would be an excellent idea. Um, so once they come into bloom, get a small little brush and transfer the pollen from one flower to the other and that'll help to set um, heavier fruit. Okay. We, we were talking about this, I think, a couple of weeks mm. back about the nectarines and the peaches. Yes. And and same, same idea. idea. Yeah. Yeah. I have a small flower bed at the front door. What low growing shrubs would you suggest to grow there? Asks Mary. Oh, Mary, there's so many that. that where do um, we start? Where do we start? <laughs> what I would suggest actually is to take a photograph of the front bed and either bring it into the garden centre uh, in Castlebar. I'll be there this afternoon if you want to come in and, and I'll give you specific recommendations on it or you can WhatsApp it into us and we could have a look yeah. at it here in studio. But look, at there's a whole myriad and, and range of, of low-growing shrubs. I think we had something similar last week. I was talking about the Hellenium plant which is very low-growing with lovely um, bright yellow flowers, evergreen foliage. There's a lovely another lovely shrub called Parahebe which again is quite small, lovely white flowers. But my recommendation 
information really is maybe take a photograph of the bed and we can give you more specific recommendations in terms of the plants to grow. I generally recommend planting plants in groups of the same variety, so threes or fives. So depending on the size of the bed, you could also include maybe a small, there's a lovely, um, the Japanese ma- maples are lovely at the moment. I have quite a number of them in, in pots myself and on the patio and they're absolutely lovely and they keep very neat and tidy. So you could, you could maybe incorporate one of those into the bed as well. But my advice really is to take a picture of that WhatsApp it WhatsApp into us. WhatsApp it into us, yeah. So, um, and it's great then because we're able to Or drop into together. the garden centre and, and we'll give you more specific advice on it. Okay, lovely. One more and we'll take a break. Um, no, sorry. Uh, could you please ask Porig? Three weeks ago, I received... 20 mountain ash tree plants. They're still in black bin bag. Uh, just wasn't in a position uh, to get them planted. Okay. Um, wondering, might they be dead now or can I plant them out? Well, look, at my advice is to Go plant them. It. Absolutely. I mean, mountain ash, that's the sorbus. It's, it's a kind of medium-sized tree, so it's only going to get to about 15 to 18 feet in height. Lovely flowers and lovely berries. And it's actually quite a resilient, tough plant. You'd often see it growing in bogs and on ditches and so on. So my advice is to plant it. Do plant it this weekend if you can. Um, so plant them out of doors. Even you could pl- put them into a small little nursery bed for a year just to let them grow on uh, with the view of transplanting them next autumn into their final position particularly if they're small plants but get them out of the black bag and into the ground. Okay. A particular sunflower which is no longer with us I think in fairness we have a photograph in on WhatsApp from somebody in Cross Malina. Not a gardener but it's in my genes somewhere. I bought the sunflower pot in a multinational last year uh, but it looks dead. Any advice? Well I think it's safe to say it is dead. No, it is dead, yeah. And sunflowers are annual, so the sunflowers I mean, they give fantastic colour during the summer, but, and produce fantastic seed for the birds in the autumn, but then they die away at the end of the year. Great time of year actually to sow sunflower seeds with your children um, on a windowsill. So if they want a little project for the summer, mm. the perfect conditions at the moment, so literally to sow them in pots in moist compost, a little bit of cling film over them and uh, give them the challenge of growing a sunflower for, for the summer. So this is the time of year for re-sowing sunflower seeds. Okay, lovely. Um, now, I know you've had a look at a, a plant that was oh, sent yeah. in yeah, that yeah. I haven't seen yet myself. Um, but anyway, Balahadreen listener, can you identify the house plant? You've looked at it already. Um, and should I cut back hydrangea and dogwood that are budding? Okay, okay so what's the, the plant, so, first so the plant, of all? First of all, is a plant called Clivia. It's an indoor plant. Um, it comes in a range of different colours of oranges and pinks and, and uh, kind of dark pinks, light pink colours. So Clivia is an indoor plant, strap-like leaves, easy to grow, watered about every three weeks, liquid feeded at this time of year because it's just coming into flower and it's a super easy plant to grow. Hydrangeas, cut them back it was it yeah yes. I mentioned that at yes. the top of the programme this is the time of year to cut them back and even, the dro- if they, even if they have some buds on them that's oh, the yeah. thing Do, yeah. I said, again I suppose they're coming in and a most bit plants early. are going to have that you're going to see it on your roses you're going to see it on your hydrangeas they're beginning to bud up so mm. we need to prune them back now you know disregard those buds but remember when you're pruning hydrangeas just remove the old flowering shoots so make sure that there's an old flower on the top of the mm. shoot and follow it back and cut it out any shoots that don't contain flower old withered flowers leave them alone so it's not a, a case of just hacking the whole hydrangea back right. you selectively take out the old shoots give them a feed now and also with roses this is the time of year for cutting them back it was dogwoods actually dogwoods, so dogwoods yep. is that plant that has a lovely red stem or, or yellow stem or green stem in the winter time this is the time of year to cut them back they're just coming into growth now so cut those the dogwoods right back to soil level within two inches or three inches of soil level shave them right back they'll produce lovely new growth particularly if you feed them and that red stem then you'll have for next winter now can i sow the 
seeds from the tomato fruits I have in my fridge. They're gone a little soft and before I throw them out, can I take the seeds from them? Well, the answer is yes, you can, because, I mean, that's the way... <laughs> I'd never have thought of that. Well, good question. For listeners that grow tomatoes uh, in their greenhouse or tunnel, you'll often find that if you do, some of the fruit will fall to the ground that you mightn't mm. get to, and those seeds will rot, and you'll see them germinating in the beds, you know, the, the, so you'll see the actual seeds of the fruit from last year germinating this time of year. What you can actually do, here's a simple thing, is to take that tomato and cut it into slices, as you would if you were preparing a sandwich. Okay. And you can actually sow the whole piece of the fruit. Oh, you don't have to extract the seeds no, at all? No, you don't. Just bang it all in? Just literally take the piece, put it into compost, and it will actually... So within that, you've got the fruit and you've got the seeds all contained together, and it will actually start to germinate and grow. Now, what you're going to get will be, you'll have to wait and see because, right. you know, at least going into your local garden centre and buying a variety, say, like um, Moneymaker or Red Profusion, which is my favourite one, uh, you know what you're going to get. It's going to, but taking the seed from a tomato that's in the fridge, you may get a dwarf variety, you may get a miniature, you may get a large. So it'll be it could a bit be, of a mystery. It would be a bit of a mystery, but to answer the listener's question, yes, if you want to extract the seeds, you can sow them in the traditional way. Still plenty of time to sow tomatoes from seed on a warm windowsill. Or you can s- simply just slice the actual uh, slice the tomato into fragments and plant those, fruit and all, and they will germinate and grow. Okay, listener, if you do get yeah, around to doing that, we'd, I'd love to know how that all yeah, pans yeah, out. Yeah, 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 yeah fantastic. Um, right, um, weed problem. I suppose they're starting to raise their heads they at are. this point. Uh, we've got weeds under the beach hedge, no sign of new leaves yet, but lots of small weeds and yeah. grass. Well, beach isn't going to come into leaf anyway until the end of April, so you're perfectly safe if you want to treat treat the weeds that are under the beach um, so I would use the Weed Free 360 you simply mix it up in a washing can or a sprayer and apply it onto the foliage of the weeds on a dry day that'll kill them off without affecting your beach hedge so the Weed Free 360 becomes inactivated once, you, once it touches the soil so it's brilliant for small weeds and grass in under um, beach in particular Okay. A good time of year as well to feed your beach. It'd be no harm to give it a, a couple of hands of fertiliser to, to bring it to on. bring it on. Uh, somebody treated their lawn with the zero spray last Sunday. Now, all the mosses died except one area that we missed. All oh, right, okay. That killer. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But wondering, is it okay to spray that area now? Can we retreat it or oh, what yeah, do can, we do? Oh, you can, you can, yeah. A like today would be ideal. So if you do miss a spot, there's no problem just mixing up and water and apply it onto that area. Um, so, yeah. Do that. It's a great ideal day today now for getting on the zero. Okay, and then you can treat it with your meat. You can give it a feed then, yeah, as well, and just help to green it up. I sowed high scented sweet pea seeds last year, but the flowers had no scent. What could have gone wrong? Oh, most unusual. Not all not all sweet peas are, are scented. scented. So um, make sure that you <laughs> when you're buying Does it the say pack, it on the packet? It, well, it does. It normally tells you if they're fragrant or very fragrant um, and, and so on. So look for, the, so that's the first thing. The Spencer varieties tend to be highly scented so look for that so make sure it says on the pack they're highly fragrant because many varieties aren't even though they are sweet peas um so uh, why do they well and I, it, it, I think the listener says that they both as scented yeah. um, possibly the dry summer maybe affected the nectar in, in the flower but generally speaking the, the um, sweet peas did very well last summer so I'm just surprised they're Maybe it was mislabeling on okay. that thing. I don't know, really. It's What creates the scent? Or is there an aspect of the flower that creates the scent? Or is it just the variety or It's breed? the variety. So certain varieties are bred for scent. So even the lily I brought mm. into studio today, that, that variety called um, the Novelty is, is highly scented. But not all 
lilies or scent it. So certain varieties of sweet pea have fantastic scent. Others are often grown for hanging baskets and containers. Some are, are, are grown for cutting, but they don't necessarily have a scent. Okay. So not all sweet peas. So do make sure that when you're buying the pack, it should state on it, highly scented. Yeah. yeah. Now, here's a very technical question. Can I graft my apple scions to the rootstocks this week or should I hold off until the middle of April? Well, the growth has started already, so I would graft them now. Um, so now this weekend would be actually an ideal time. Normally it's done at the end of March, early April, as the growth starts to come into the rootstocks. But at this time of year, it's a really good, it's an early season. So you can do your grafting early this year. Okay, for the uninitiated, what does that question so what, mean? So what, what that means is, so when you buy your, your typical apple tree in the garden centre, say the variety like the coronet, the family apple trees, they're grafted onto a rootstock, which means that the rootstock controls the growth of the actual tree. So on the coronet family, we graft them onto a rootstock called Malling 9, which is a very restrictive rootstock. It keeps the tree on a diet and it keeps it quite small and compact. So hence the tree will only grow to about six or seven feet in its lifetime. Whereas if it was on a different rootstock, a more vigorous rootstock, it would grow 30 feet. So the rootstock dictates how big the tree effectively grows. And that's why we graft them. The same applies to roses. Roses, when you buy them, you'll see the the, 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 the true rose and you'll see the, the rootstock. And, and so many plants are grafted, A, to increase vigour, or sometimes to keep the plants back and keep them neat and tidy. So the scion is the bit that you put that are, is grafted on top, is it? Exactly. The top part. Onto the rootstock. Yeah, okay. that's the piece that's inserted to the rootstock. Lovely. Uh, would I be helping the environment if I was to plant a few uh, trees, especially beech and fruit trees? And when is it too late? Well, it's, it's not too late. I mean, now is a really good time for planting trees. And many trees are brilliant for wildlife. So we mentioned the mountain ash the listener that spoke about the mm-hmm. 20 mountain ash. Mountain ash is a great wildlife friendly plant because it flowers it produces berries so it flowers and the bees love the flowers but in the winter it buries and the bees or the um, birds love the fruit on it. Pyracanth is another great plant for, for wildlife um, so you're really looking for plants that have long flowering period high in nectar so plants like the phacelia or the butterfly bush there's loads of really really good flowering and fruiting plants that can be planted now that will bring wildlife into your garden. So those that bury in the autumn um, are brilliant. Holly, pyracantha, um, cotoneaster, any of the fruiting plants like raspberries, strawberries, they all encourage bees into the garden and you can enjoy the fruits. Yeah. fruits fruit as well, on. yeah. It's not uh, just about helping the environment, no, but pretty I, much what most planting is going to assist. Yeah, it. so anything that flowers, anything that produces those single flowers, um, particularly over a long period, they're well worth planting and many can be sown from seed or plants at this time of year. Again, if you drop into your local garden centre, you'll get a wildflower mix that it contains things like poppies <coughs> and cornflower that are brilliant for the for wildlife. Okay, a couple of spud questions. Mm, yeah. um, a, how deep should you plant potatoes if you're planting them outside? And somebody else is wondering, can you plant them in moss peat? Well, moss peat, moss peat is basically just pure peat. There's no lime or there's no nutrition in the, in the uh, moss peat. So the, the potatoes aren't going to do very well in just moss peat. If you have moss peat, you can certainly mix it with soil or you can mix it with other compost and add a slow-release fertiliser to that to enrich it and to add a, um, you know, a bit of energy to it. So you can certainly use the moss peat, but you need to put lime 
time into it and you also need to put a slow release fertiliser something again like the super grow would be ideal and then it's perfect for growing potatoes and maybe mix a bit of soil through that or if you have some good garden compost you could mix your own compost you could mix that through remember spuds are hungry feeders uh, the other question was what was the other one on the potatoes? Uh, the other question was about growing potatoes outside how deep should you plant so them? you're planting them 18 inches deep so literally dig a small trench 18 inches 15 to 18 inches deep if you have some compost or, or that or organic matter you can put into the trench great and literally put your potato in space them 15 inches apart cover them over with soil and away you go okay does the camellia need sun or can i sow it under an arch no it like it actually prefers a shaded spot semi-shade and um, now under the arch just be careful that it doesn't dry out that'd be the big danger so. and and camellias need plenty of water particularly when they're in flower at this time of year right. and particularly during the, the summer period so in under an arch it's in a rain shadow it's not going to get the natural rainfall so you need to keep an eye on that and give it really well water but it does very well in shade and is there something about planting them a bit near wisteria that they don't get on or something like that did i hear that somewhere my That's mother had a theory about that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's a first for me. No. Okay, well, the okay. Is, a, is a climbing plant, yeah, as you know, yeah. and the camellia. So I don't know. I don't know where she picked that up. I must ask. To, we'll have yeah. to investigate that. Sorry, that say, just came out oh. of the blue there. That's, that's not on our official question <laughs> list this morning. <laughs> uh, moving along rather swiftly, can we uh, plant bare rooted trees, or can bare rooted trees still be planted? Well, it's getting a bit late for, for bare root. I mean, most plants have come into leaf. Having said that, look, if you've liked the listener that with that had the 20 mountain ash in a black bag if you've got bare root plants and the, and, the, and the need to go into the ground well then put them into the ground this weekend but I wouldn't be necessarily buying bare root plants now it's, right. it's the season has started we're into the container normally bare root plants up to about St. Patrick's weekend remember that the season is early this year Okay um, Can we plant can lavender plants be kept indoors all year? Well they are an outdoor plant they are a Mediterranean plant so they require bright sunshine um, and so you could keep them in a conservatory, a patio, a cold area of the house would be fine for them. They'd be perfectly happy in that sort of environment. But but in 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 kind of a, a warm living room, they're not going to survive. Okay. The last several weeks, certainly, maybe a month. Yeah. But but after that, they'll start to deteriorate. So my advice really is you could put them into a nice big pot. If you have a patio conservatory, somewhere kind of semi-cool, really bright, they'll be perfectly happy indoors. But really, they could be put planted up in a container and kept on your patio or they do very well in window boxes and containers out of doors as well. They need the sun. They need a nice free-draining soil and um, they do brilliantly in pots and containers. Yeah. Uh, can you grow tomatoes out of doors? I have only a small patio and don't want to fill it up completely with plants that are... Uh, are there special outdoor types? There are. So actually if you go onto my Facebook page Porry mm-hmm. Corkin, I actually have a clip um, of a variety I grew last year called Red Profusion. I was showing it to, the, to Teresa this morning and literally I had it in a pot outside my patio door and you'll see me picking the fruit off the actual uh, plant. I think that I, I filmed that in July of last year and it'll just it's a really good variety. So that's one called Red Profusion. Okay. Don't put it out of doors at this time of year. They need to go out once the risk of frost has passed about early May and they'll fruit like Billio all summer long. Fantastic. Red Profusion. We've got some bugs in the green greenhouse and on the geraniums and the dahlia shoots what do we use well, the best thing to use is the is the uh, fun, the the fumigant, fumigant, yeah. So you can get a small little container. Um, you simply light it. You put it into the greenhouse. That excretes a smoke, and in that contains pyrethrum, which is a an insecticide and will kill off any of those bugs without damaging your plants. So that's the easiest way to do it. It saves you having to spray. So look for that in your local garden centre. It's a fumigant, 
for controlling pests in greenhouses. Uh, this time last year, our lawn was almost weed-free, but as the grass suffered due to lack of water over the summer, there are now weeds everywhere, including many thistles. Uh-huh. What treatment would you recommend and how long after treatment would you expect to see a noticeable improvement? Okay, so if you want to get ri- rid of the weeds, so the first thing I would do is actually feed the lawn. So put on the Osmo feed on the lawn because that's going to encourage the grass to grow, but it's also going to make the weeds nice and soft and more susceptible to the treatment. Then apply... Uh, so uh, two weeks later so if you do that this weekend mm. put on the Osmo give it a trim leave it alone let it grow make the, the weeds will be lovely and soft and then hit them hit them with the Dicofar two weeks later so about the first or second week of April apply the Dicofar and that will control all broadleaf weeds without affecting the grass and the fact that you've fed it it'll start to green up regular mowing will get it back into condition again and if you do need to reseed a couple of spots April will be a really good time so feed it and then treat it with the Dicofar and it'll be back in good condition again uh, is it too late to split Rubecchia? I have a big patch and I wondered if I could move some of it. You Thanks. could. No, it's not too late. And things like hostas and astilbas can still be moved, but you need to do them this weekend. So with the Rubecchia, cut it right back to ground level, any old stems, dig it up, transplant it, cut it into a couple of pieces and put it, replant it. So this weekend, if you can, same with hostas, same with astilbas, agapanthus, they can all be transplanted and, and divided at this time of year. Can we sow onion bulbs now? Yeah. Plant them out, get them out into the garden. Um, onion shallots, you can also sow the seed, but also the bulbs and garlic can be planted safely out of doors now, no problem whatsoever. Can we use the zero on tarmacadam? No. Okay, so lovely. zero is strictly for your lawn. If you want to, to control the moss on tarmac, use the pack. So a one to ten mix on the pack. And again, this weekend, pack takes, takes about six or seven days to work. The zero works overnight, but it's strictly for your lawn. This is an unusual one. one. I don't know if there's an answer on it. Is it possible to get rose-scented geraniums? Rose-scented geraniums. There is a there is actually a rose-scented leafed geranium. Okay, maybe that's it. But but the scent isn't that fantastic, okay. to be honest. Doesn't it's be very, like our orange it's not fizz. Like, uh, the orange fizz is the one. If you really want a, a really nice scented, I mean that punchy scent of of citrus, orange fizz is the one to go for. I do have that rose-scented um, geranium in the garden centre, but to be honest, it's it's. Get a rose. It's insipid. Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. It's, it, it, it just doesn't... It's not the... Yeah. No, it's not. Okay. I'll bring in one in next weekend and... A poor imitation, so... Okay, it is, do that, yeah, but yeah. No, Go for the orange phase if you want. That's well, the best scent. And it is yeah. lovely. It is yeah. lovely. Um, is it too late to put winter wash on apples? Um, well, if the leaves are on them, if there's, if there's kind of more than half an inch of leaf on your plants, then don't leave them okay. alone. Um, so it depends, really. It's, we're on the borderline, really, with winter wash. Okay, we have to leave it there. I know you're doing Facebook Live after the programme. Yeah, so you can join me. Pop onto the Midwest Radio Facebook page and I'll answer any questions we didn't get to today and I'll show you some of these lovely plants. Yeah, and I see Marion is in Athen Ryan. She's got a sent in a plant that we're not going to get to identify it today, but maybe uh, next week or I'll cover it on, the on Facebook, Facebook Live. So jump onto Midwest Radio five past, just five, in five minutes' time, I'll be there. Okay, excellent. Thanks, William Porrick. We'll talk to you next week. Uh, stand by uh, Facebook Live coming your way at five past ten. And uh, for Music Love, of course, Michael Neary is along with country classics right through until one o'clock this afternoon, uh, coming your way directly after the news at 10, which is on the way next. For me, until next Saturday morning, good morning to you.